When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. This episode is brought to you by Reese's Peanut Butter Cups. In breaking news, leading scientists worldwide are conducting experiments to determine if Reese's Peanut Butter Cups are the perfect combination of peanut butter and chocolate. However, it appears the study was inconclusive, as the scientists couldn't help but eat all the Reese's. Because when you want something sweet, you can't do better than Reese's. Find Reese's now at a store near you. Hey everyone, welcome back to Immigrantly with me, Sadia Khan. My voice sounds a bit raspy because I'm not feeling too well. I think I have cold or flu. But anyways, I have an incredible episode for all of you. Now we are at the end of the year and it's the holiday season for many people here in the United States. So I wish... Happy holidays to anyone who is celebrating this month. But at the same time, I'm sure many of us are finding it hard to get into the holiday spirit, whichever holidays you may celebrate. The last few months have been painful, heartbreaking and frustrating all at once. And my heart goes out to everyone who's lost family or friends during these difficult times. Since October 7th, around 20,000 Palestinian men, women and children in Gaza have been killed in Israeli attacks. And there are still over 100 Israeli hostages in Hamas's custody. So yes, I know it can be hard to feel happy, despite what should be fun, heartwarming season. But you know what? Something I've always loved about the holidays is that hope of everyone coming together. I know it may be cliche, but it's also true, right? Or at least it should be spending time with family and friends during the holidays is a reminder of our collective humanity, regardless of our different backgrounds. So for this episode, I wanted to delve into America's dominant winter holiday, Christmas. It's beginning to look a lot like Christmas. Now, I don't personally celebrate Christmas, but in the spirit of cross-cultural connection, I wanted to learn more about it. There are many ways to do that. Christmas songs, Christmas movies, Christmas histories. But I thought, what better way to learn about a culture's holiday than through its food. When we think about various celebrations from around the world, something they all have in common is that there's usually a meal involved. We, as people, love food. Our bodies literally need it, but it also brings us together. You know, I'm thinking of the phrase, break bread, 
when you eat with someone you realize that your differences aren't so different after all at least in theory you can actually gather around your shared love for good food so listeners let's break bread and talk about some iconic christmas dishes what do you think of the guinea fowl i'm a vegetarian oh god I have no idea what people eat for Christmas so I decided to ask the immigrantly team about the Christmas classics. From there I'll share what I found about the history behind these dishes. No worry, nothing too in depth, just enough information to answer the question of where do these food traditions come from? And throughout the episode you'll also hear from two other people from the immigrantly team as they talk about their favorite christmas foods and the fond memories they have of them. I actually wanted to include these perspectives because of course America is a diverse place and not everyone eats the same things even if it's the same holiday. And who knows maybe their dishes will inspire something new on your dining table this season. So let's get started. As I've come to learn, the Christmas ham is an iconic Christmas dish. Side note listeners, I have no idea what ham tastes like. I don't eat pork for religious reasons. So this is a food I wouldn't be able to try. Regardless, my team has told me that ham is a pretty big deal during Christmas. But ironically, ham during winter is a tradition going back before the celebration of Christmas and even before Christianity itself. Isn't that surprising? This is actually a pagan tradition from various parts of northern Europe. Germanic pagans would kill and eat wild boar during their winter holiday, which celebrated the winter solstice. Now I've always considered Christmas a holiday with religious ties but I've learned that quite a few other Christmas traditions also come from pagan practices. For example, decorating your home with greenery like wreaths and boughs from holy trees. Yep, that has pagan origins too. This includes the Christmas tree. According to various sources, the trees had different meanings across different people for some culture evergreen trees represented life despite the cold in the dead of winter for others evergreen trees protected home from evil spirits you know i would like to have a tree in my house to protect me from evil spirits why not right but eventually christianity spread throughout the europe the boughs of holy evergreen trees and of course a freshly roasted ham all became part of what we now know as christmas and the tradition has grown pretty strong nothing beats a christmas ham unless of course 
you can cook a Christmas ham on the barbecue, and I'm going to show you. For my baked ham, I need a large gammon joint with a rind on. Christmas wouldn't be Christmas without a glazed ham. The most amazing Christmas roast ham with black pepper and marmalade, which is a classic. It's delicious. Y'all, look at this delicious double-smoked ham. These make great Christmas gifts. All my friends... Apparently, Americans eat over 300 million pounds of ham during the holiday season. Guys, that's a lot of figs. You know what? Already... This is a cross-cultural connection. Traditions that were once considered completely unrelated to Christianity are now such an iconic part of the holiday. But even so, different families have different traditions. I learned about one such unique tradition from Michaela, our lead content writer, who told me about an iconic pork dish from her culture. Take a listen. So a holiday delicacy that my family eats during Christmas time is something called chitlins. Actually, at the grocery store, the label will say chitterlings, but no one I know actually pronounces it that way. We say chitlins. And chitlins are just pig intestines. They already come pre-cleaned, by the way, but you want to clean them a couple times again before you cook them. My dad got the recipe from his mother, and so the way he does it, put them in a crock pot, add some onions, some celery, and whichever other basic, simple seasonings you want to add. Cook them low and slow for a couple of hours along with some hog maw, which is just pig stomach. And then once they're done, we like to add hot sauce to them. So all of that combined is really delicious to me. Uh, we usually either eat them for Christmas or Thanksgiving, one or the other, since they're pretty hard to find, especially in recent years. And so they're, they're pretty special when we do get a chance to find them. They're really nostalgic for me in particular because they remind me of childhood and Christmas. They remind me of family. Even just the smell like reminds me of my dad cleaning them late at night before cooking them. And so they have a very identifiable but very nostalgic smell to me. But they're very controversial. People in the Black Southern tradition or even just Southern American tradition in general are pretty torn between them. Like people either love them or hate them. And the people who hate them just think they're nasty because they come from intestines. They're really, really good despite how it may sound. And in fact, Something that I love the most about chitlins is actually the history behind why Black folks from the South eat them. During slavery, the enslaved people were given what were considered the worst parts of the animal. Not just the intestines, but also the ears, the feet, maybe the snout. And so what I think is really beautiful about chitlins is the fact that Black folks were able to take what was meant to be an insult to them and turn it into something really delicious. Not everyone will agree they're delicious, but I still stand by it. Okay, so I am really excited about this one. And it's fruitcake. Now in Pakistan, we actually eat fruitcake a lot. It's pretty common for people to have fruitcake alongside a cup of tea. And growing up, I definitely ate plenty of fruitcake because it is my mom's favorite dessert. So it evokes such fond memories of childhood. But I didn't know that it's an iconic Christmas dessert in the U.S. In fact, I'm a little surprised by that 
since I haven't been able to find a decent one here. And I honestly don't know why. There is something about fruitcakes in America that doesn't really sit well with me. Anyways, back to fruitcakes. Now, fruitcake here in the States is a sweet brown cake made with candied fruits and nuts inside. The candied fruits definitely resemble what we have in Pakistan, but I've also learned from a few people that some American-style recipes even soak the cake in alcohol like rum or whiskey. By the way, I don't drink, so I won't be trying that version. But what's funny is that I've heard that for many Americans, fruitcake is a hit or miss. The people who like it, like it. And the people who don't like it seem to really hate it. It's a well-known Christmas dessert, but it's not well-liked. And that's pretty clear from the number of YouTube videos that are out there of people trying fruitcake for the first time. I have never had fruitcake. Me neither. Ready? Okay. Wait, wait, okay. <laughs> really bad? I'm going to give it a 0.5. Why, why is it taste like your candy chunk to that one? This disgusting. So I went and found the real thing, a legit fruitcake. This already feels like evil. It's greasy like hair grease. No. Nope. It's got the consistency of nutty diarrhea. Fruit, good. Cake, great. Fruitcake, nasty crap. But you know what? There must be enough people out there just like me who love fruitcake because it's been around for a long time now. The dessert originated in ancient Rome. Roman soldiers mashed together barley, honey, fruit and wine as a kind of energy bar during battles. With time, fruitcake spread throughout Europe and during the Middle Ages, the recipe pretty much became the cake people eat today. Less of an energy bar and more of sweet dessert. The British, for example, served fruitcake at special occasions like weddings. And as you probably can guess, fruitcake eventually came to North America by way of colonization. And I wouldn't be surprised if its presence in Pakistan is also due to colonization. In fact, Caribbean sugar plantations indirectly fueled the spread of fruitcake in the United States. Sugar from Caribbean colonies was relatively cheap and sugar is good for preserving the fruit pieces in the cake. And as a result of all that sugar, fruitcake is notorious for its shelf life. During the early 20th century, people even started mailing Yes, mailing fruitcakes to each other. This reached a peak in the 50s when fruitcakes became holiday gifts. But by the 80s and 90s, fruitcake became the butt of the Christmas joke. 75% of Americans in a poll from 1989 said that fruitcake was the worst holiday gift you could receive. Now here's the thing. I would love to hear what all of you think. Are you fruitcake lovers or fruitcake haters. Look, for me, I'm biased. Fruitcake sounds like a pretty good gift to me. But like I said, 
each family's dinner table looks a little different during the holidays. And now we are switching from fruitcake to some spicy chicken. One of our social media coordinators, Amy, told me about one of her family's beloved Christmas dishes. To be clear, it's not a dessert and many people may not include this in their traditional Christmas meal. But for Amy's family, it's pretty special. Christmas to me is a day where I can spend time with my family because everyone has the day off. Usually for me, Christmas is huge dinners and everyone comes to eat together. My favorite dish is the spicy curry chicken with potatoes. It was made by my distant aunt who came to the States around the time when I was in high school or college. One fun memory I have with this dish was that one time it was made too spicy. And so everyone around me was sniffling and talking while stuffing themselves with more chicken. It was a funny memory that I have and I think about to this day when I think about this dish because we were all just sniffling together and people were having a fun time. I have one more Christmas dish I wanted to explore. Last but not the least, we have eggnog. I guess this is more of a Christmas drink than a Christmas food, but my team tells me that it's pretty iconic nonetheless. This cold drink combines egg yolks, milk and cream, sugar and spices like cinnamon and nutmeg. Most traditional recipes also include alcohol like bourbon or rum, but this is optional. And like I said, I don't drink, so it would be the alcohol-free recipe for me. Many cultures have a drink similar to eggnog. In Mexico, it's called rompope. In Puerto Rico, it's a coconut milk-based drink called coquito. Certain European Jewish communities have something similar called kogomogu. But as for the American-style eggnog, most people believe that it comes from a medieval British drink called posset, enjoyed by royalty. Even up until the 1600s, this was a drink for the upper class because the ingredients like milk, sugar and sherry were pretty expensive and hard to come by in Europe. But it gained popularity amongst all social classes in colonial America. Milk and eggs were more readily available as more people had their farms with chickens for eggs and cows for milk. And once again, Caribbean sugar plantations also played a huge part in this popularity. Colonists used the cheaper sugar cane from the plantations to make rum. And because it was cheaper and easier to access, colonists used this rum in their eggnog as well, instead of the liquors shipped from England. With time, people used different types of alcohol or even no alcohol at all. But either way, I find it fascinating that both fruitcake and eggnog gained popularity in the Americas indirectly through the slave trade. After all, it was enslaved people planting and harvesting the sugarcane that drove the recipes behind these famous Christmas staples. So listeners, 
What are your thoughts? If you celebrate Christmas, I would love to know if these foods hold a special place in your family tradition as well. Or like for Michaela and Amy, maybe your family likes to switch it up a bit. If that's the case, I want to hear about that as well. Because as different or unique as your Christmas dishes may be, food is a great connector between people. It's something we all enjoy and it's a testament to how, despite our differences, we can still come together under our shared humanity. I shouldn't even say despite, because it sounds like differences are something we have to tolerate or ignore in order to see what we have in common. But there's a way to both celebrate our similarities and our differences equally. We have to be willing to learn about each other. And that's what I wanted to do today, to learn. My hope is that in times of injustice and suffering, we can always be reminded of what we've learned about others and how that can bring us all together. So even though the end of 2023 has been tough, there's always next year. Thank you all so much for tuning in to the final episode of 2023. Of course, we'll be returning in the new year with more great conversations. So be sure to come back in January so you don't miss a thing. And I have some pretty exciting news. Immigrantly will be launching five new podcasts in the coming year. Yes, you heard me right. Five. Immigrantly is expanding and we are now so much more than just a single podcast. We are a forward-thinking media startup that aims to explore America, the immigrant experience, and diverse stories through many different topics. From TV shows and movies to sports to a series on the election, there's plenty to look forward to in the coming months, so you'll want to stay tuned. The best way to do that is through our social media. So don't forget to follow us on Instagram at ImmigrantlyPod, TikTok at ImmigrantlyPodcast, Twitter at Immigrantly underscore pod. And by the way, we are doing a whole revamp redesign of our website, which will launch in the beginning of the next year. This episode was produced by me, Sadia Khan, written by Michaela Strother. Our editorial review was done by Shay Yu. Our editor and sound designer for this episode is Paroma Chakravarti. The music for Immigrantly is done by Simon Hutchinson. Until next time, see you in the next year.